0: Hi everyone, thank you all for joining. Today we have the great honor and privilege of having Ms. Donna Hunting with us. Donna was diagnosed with non-small cell lung cancer adenocarcinoma with the EGFR exon 19 mutation. Since diagnosis, she has been NED or no evidence of disease two times in her journey and is currently on her third treatment line. She's joining us today with the American Lung Cancer Screening Initiative to share her story. Donna, thank you so much for your time and willingness to be here with us.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: To introduce myself and my team, my name is Kranka Sento, and with me I have Anish Gugilam and Greg Wong. And we are a part of the American Lung Cancer Screening Initiative, or ALSI for short. And we have just a couple of slides to share about our organization for those who might not be familiar. We are a team of over 200 students and doctors located across the United States. Alsi is a 501 nonprofit that works to raise awareness for lung cancer and lung cancer screening. And we do the work that we do because lung cancer is the deadliest cancer in the world, causing more deaths than breast, prostate, and colon cancers combined. Lung cancer causes about 380 deaths per day in the U.S. alone. Lung cancer is very fatal because currently many patients are being diagnosed at a late stage when the cancer has grown and spread to other parts of the body. Lung cancer screening is an effective imaging technique that can be used to screen for lung cancer and has been shown to catch lung cancers early. However, less than 6% of people at high risk for lung cancer are currently getting screened. The screening rate for lung cancer is much lower than the screening rates for breast, cervical and colon cancers, which are about 70%. We believe that educating people about lung cancer and lung cancer screening is one of the most important and effective ways to increase the lung cancer screening rate for populations that would benefit from lung cancer screening. So far, we've given over 120 presentations on lung cancer and lung cancer screening to universities, hospitals, medical schools, and organizations around the US, as well as India, Canada, Brazil, and Mexico, reaching over 10,000 people. And over the last year, we've worked with 105 mayors from every single US state to issue proclamations recognizing November as National Lung Cancer Awareness Month. We've also had the opportunity to talk with um, several leaders at the state level, including Arizona State Senator Leela Alston, who is a lung cancer survivor, Pennsylvania Governor Tom Wolf, and the Lieutenant Governor of Colorado, Diane Pumavera. In addition to our education, outreach, and advocacy efforts, we recently started a podcast series to share the personal side of lung cancer and provide a platform for lung cancer survivors and advocates to share their stories. Last fall, LC worked with U.S. Congress members and senators to draft and advocate for the first ever House and Senate resolutions, recognizing the importance of the early detection of lung cancer through screening. And in December 2020, the Senate resolution was passed with unanimous consent, marking the first time the U.S. Senate has ever recognized the importance of lung cancer screening. Alsi has also actively been working with Representative Brendan Boyle and Senator Tina Smith to draft and advocate for Catherine's Law for Lung Cancer, Early Detection and Survival Act of 2021. Lastly, we want to end by talking a little bit about lung cancer screening. Lung cancer screening is done using a low-dose computed tomography scan. This scan uses low radiation doses, is pain-free, and takes less than five minutes to complete. The United States Preventive Services Task Force, also known as the USPSTF, sets guidelines for who should be screened for lung cancer. Right now, they recommend that people between the ages of 50 and 80 who have a 20-pack year smoking history or more, and who are current or former smokers who quit within the past 15 years, get annual low-dose CT scans. One-pack year is defined as smoking, on average, one pack a day for one year, And therefore, 20 pack years can be met in a multitude of ways, including smoking one pack a day for 20 years or smoking two packs a day for 10 years, for example. If you know anyone who might be eligible for lung cancer screening based on the criteria listed on the previous slide, please share the link given by the QR code so that they can contact one of our doctors about lung cancer screening. And finally, we want to highlight that there are other risk factors for lung cancer in addition to smoking such as exposure to asbestos, a family history of lung cancer, COPD, and previous radiation therapy to the lung. We believe it is important that we recognize these additional risk factors because a large number of people in the United States who have never smoked still get lung cancer. So thank you all for taking the time to listen to that quick presentation, but without further ado, we can jump right into the podcast. We have a few questions prepared for Donna, but we also have a Q&A session at the end where you all can submit any questions you have for her. And this podcast is being recorded and will be shared on our Spotify, Anchor, Google, and Apple Podcasts, as well as our YouTube channel. So first off, Donna, could you please introduce yourself and share your background?
1: Sure. Um, my name's Donna Hunting, again. I'm 59 years old now. I'm a mother of two, a wife. Uh, we've been married 30 years. Previous to cancer, though, I was a mom. I worked uh, two part-time jobs. I was very active in the soccer community, athletic, you know, um, tried to stay in shape and eat right and do all those things that we think we're supposed to be doing. Um, had a very active lifestyle, so. Um, and then out of nowhere, 2018, I wasn't feeling good for a few months before that, but it was just bone pain in my hip. I was, um, you know, I wasn't coughing. I didn't have shortness of breath. I didn't have all of these risk factors. I had no risk factors in order to go get CT scans for, you know, to check for lung cancer. I didn't have any of those, you know signs so but my bones were hurting um, and especially my left hip uh, we treated it we thought it was bursitis never had a ct scan just had an x-ray and lung cancer that metastasized your bones does not show up in an x-ray so so it um basically I wasn't feeling well one day I'd been watching the olympics like non-stop and everybody said hey you're not even getting out of bed what is going on and so I went in and um talked to a really young physician um, and told him I don't feel well something's wrong I thought it was in my lungs he said well I don't hear any you know he thought maybe pneumonia I don't hear anything so he sent me away for an x-ray which most of the time that's abnormal I'd have to say most doctors say well let me give you a round of antibiotics and see how that goes you know and they send people away, they take some antibiotics, they come back, nothing's wrong. They, it, I've, I've known people that's taken a year for them to get diagnosed with lung cancer because we don't have the risk factors. We didn't smoke or have, haven't smoked in a long time, or, you know, uh, I, I even had our house checked for on before lung cancer, you know? So it wasn't, it wasn't anything that we would suspect that I would have lung cancer. But thank goodness he was kind of young and he was gung ho. And he said, I'll call you if I see anything on the x ray. Otherwise, maybe we'll set up some antibiotics, you know. So I went straight to the x ray um, department at my Kaiser and they uh, did the x ray within 20 minutes. He called me. So he said, I have some news. I don't know what it is, but we see something really concerning on your scan. Um, he said, so we'd like you to get right in tomorrow for a, a CT scan. And then, you know, then we go from there. So I did CT scans, bone scans. The CT scan, when it first came back, um, the pathologist that, uh, the, that read it, um, the radiologist that read it, he suspected that I had lung or breast cancer that had metastasized. Um, because of my non-risk factors again you know so um he he said that you know it's probably metastasized it's obviously gone into her lymph nodes it's um you know and then after that i had a bone scan and it had gone all in my bones i had it all the way down my spine shoulders my skull i had it in my hips really bad so obviously it wasn't bursitis it was the lung cancer that had metastasized to the bones, very painful. So, um, you know, that's, it's kind of crazy how my life turned around in one day, just, you know, unknowing. So I'd probably had it for, you know, forming for who knows, five, 10 years, possibly. You know, had I gotten a low dose CT, CT scan, you know, for preventative care, they would have found something sooner. So my lungs were splattered with, with like, they, it looked like the starry night really is what it looked like. I don't know, you know, I can share a, a picture with you if you'd like. So. Um, yeah, that would
0: be great.
1: If I can find them. <laughs> I had a hard time with this before, didn't I? See. Is it pulling up?
0: Yes, we're able to see it, yeah.
1: That picture right there with the bones, or this. Okay, so this picture right here is left side. The black is cancer, except for my skull and my bladder down below. But as you can see, my left hip was full of cancer. Um, that it was astonishing that I had that much cancer in my body. So as as we um, did testing, we had a mutation test done, a biomarker testing done, which is very important. Um, some people still don't recommend biomarker testing. So I had to wait about three weeks before that was accomplished, but um, they were able to extract some tissue from my lymph nodes. And I went on a um, targeted medicine which is um, for the EGFR mutation that I had. So I got lucky that I had a mutation that was treatable. Um, that you could see what it did to my bones before. On the right side, it was a miracle. After 50 days, this is what you see on the right side. It was it was no evidence of disease. It had um, been removed from my lungs and my bones. So that that in itself was was miraculous. I my doctor called me as soon as he got the results and he said, sit down. I don't know, you know, he, he's never seen it act, you know, the medicine work this quickly. So it really is important, you know, research yeah. is important. New medicines. Um, not the hard part is getting back out of this picture. So <laughs> um there we go. Okay. So that's, um, you know, so basically that's my story right now. I've gone through three different, um, treatments at this point. I'm currently no evidence of disease again. Um, I just finished 28 rounds of chemotherapy and I'm on a daily targeted medicine. Um, my kidneys have taken a toll. And so they're wanting my kidneys to rest. So right now they're, taken me off of chemo so which is it's a good time to do that I guess if you're going to because they don't my last pet scan was last Monday so I'm no evidence of disease again so um, right now I'm taking a little break from that but I still take a daily targeted medicine so so still have have that in my back pocket (laughs) we're hoping it, it works so
0: yeah, Well, thank you so much for sharing all the information. I think the photos were really very helpful to really understand, you know, what the before and after looked like. And it's so wonderful to hear that, you know, you're now no evidence of disease. I don't think a lot of patients are able to say that. And, you know, we're just so happy for you.
1: Yeah, I've had that twice now. That's un- un- unreal. So um, my second treatment um, to Grisso, which I still take was not quite as effective for me. So then we started the chemotherapy, but I think the combination of the treatments have been working really well. So, you know, if I can get around the side effects from the medications, I I I feel pretty good, So.
0: And you mentioned that, um, you know, you didn't have any of the standard risk factors for lung cancer, like um, being a heavy smoker or even the symptoms like having um chest pain chest tightness or chronic cough and um i think a lot of a lot of non-smokers have a similar story in that they didn't have or they had very mild symptoms and if lung cancer wasn't on their radar it wasn't on their doctor's radar and so one patient actually told us that um when she was uh, talking to her doctor about um, trying to figure out what was going on um, she ended up being diagnosed with lung cancer but she underwent a bunch of other tests before getting a CT scan and that was actually the very last thing on her list Um, and she just happened to ask her doctor, you know, what's the last thing that we're going to test for and it was, it was on cancer, so Mm I think it's just...
1: If, If we could get the word out to, as part of our preventative testing, we prevent testing for breast cancer, for colon cancer, for all kinds of things, a low dose CT scan is nothing compared to what we have to go through once we're treating cancer and trying to diagnose it even you know so yes i i completely agree that you know that that shouldn't have been their last test but because we don't have those risk factors we're not a candidate for oh you have lung cancer it's just you know unheard of so but we're trying to spread the word (laughs) so and i thank you guys for helping
0: (laughs) well thank you and I think um, in addition to just raising awareness, um, we talked about the lung cancer screening guidelines, and right now lung cancer screening is recommended for heavy smokers and those between the ages of 50 and 80, so um, older patients. Um, but studies have shown that a lot of minority individuals um, are not being captured in this in these lung cancer screening guidelines, especially African-American patients. Um, so I think it's just important that we continue to um, research in this field in order to be able to build better lung cancer prediction models um, in order for us to really be able to have an accurate picture of um, all individuals who are at high risk for lung cancer and who should be getting screened. And I think one of the reasons why we don't have that already is because these other risk factors like exposure to asbestos or these other like radon for example it's just hard to quantify whereas quantifying a smoking history is a little bit easier in terms of like calculating
1: pack years so yes yeah i i agree you know that's the one of the first things too is people say oh i didn't know you smoked oh but i don't (laughs) you know i it's it's awful because that's the stigma attached to this disease you know and you only need lungs to get lung cancer that's our biggest you know quote is you only need lungs to get lung cancer. And so it's really important that, I don't know, if I'd have known, I would have gladly paid for a test. If it wasn't part of my preventive care, I would have gladly paid a couple hundred dollars to get a CT scan as part of my prevent- preventative care, had I known what I know now. So, yep.
0: And you touched a little bit upon uh, the stigma, and I just wanted to, make another brief comment here, but um, we have a, we hear a lot of patients just bring up the stigma and I think it's so important that we, you know, talk about it openly because a lot of people and it's um, just due to long-term correlation, association between smoking and lung cancer that a lot of people, um, some of their first, that one of their, a lot of patients, their first question is, you know, um, how long do you smoke or were you a smoker? And I think um, it's important that we move away from this association between lung cancer and smoking and there's a lot of there's been a lot of fear-based ads and marketing to try to promote smoking cessation that, that I think has contributed to this really strong association but um, the stigma uh, unfortunately um, really concerns our organization because I think um, it, it can discourage lung cancer screening for some individuals who might think that they don't deserve it because um, maybe they were a smoker and and they might feel like they brought this disease onto themselves, whereas that's really not the case. You know, anyone, no. like you said, with lungs can get lung cancer.
1: Yeah, and then, and even if they did smoke, they still don't deserve this. So, you know, it it's the cigarettes are addictive, and you know the challenge of quitting is horrendous for some people, and and they don't deserve to have lung cancer. You know women don't deserve to get breast cancer. People don't deserve to get colon cancer. You know, we have colons, we get colon cancer. It's just, you know, we don't deserve to have one cancer, no matter what at all. So yeah, I agree. (laughs) And the stigma.
0: (laughs) Very well said. Thank you.
2: Great. I think just to sway the conversation a little bit, I have one question to ask you. Um, is there anything specific about your lung cancer diagnosis that you would be willing to share? Um, for example, histology grade or stage?
1: Um, I am stage four, so I am terminal. Um, that's what they've said. When I was first diagnosed, if the medications didn't work and we didn't find a mutation that was targetable, I may have had six months to live. Um, You know, uh, and I'll be the first to say I've gone on and Googled when I first found out I had lung cancer. Google is your enemy when it comes to looking the statistics up for lung cancer because it is no longer a, a death sentence um there's because of research and funding that we're getting constantly we're not as much not enough we get six percent of the hundred percent of government funding for cancer research out of all the cancers even though like you said earlier it kills more than breast cancer colon and prostate combined it's like a jetliner going down every day with somebody you know with a jet full of people that die from lung cancer so but uh and then so I'm stage four, the uh, mutation I have is EGFR, deletion 19. So I have a targetable, treatable, or, you know, can target this. Um, some people aren't as lucky. They have maybe an ALK mutation or ROF mutation, or they don't have a mutation. So it's, it's really difficult to treat when that's found. Or I know some people that have graduated that's the only thing word I guess from non small cell lung cancer to small cell lung cancer. I know some people that have both. Um, It's horrible. I know 28 year old women that have lung cancer just gave birth to their first child. You know, um, it, it does not does not discriminate at all. So
2: Could you take us back to um, when you initially received your diagnosis? Like what was running through your mind and just what were some of your first raw emotions?
1: Oh, so the first time I heard I have lung cancer was in um, my uh, pathologist office and or pulmonologist office, sorry. Um, and he showed me a picture and he said, I don't know if they've told you what you have yet. And I said, No, I have an idea, but they have not said it yet. We did all kinds of tests. We thought tuberculosis, I mean, every they did every kind of test thinking there's no way she has lung cancer. You know, so that wasn't even a thought in my doctors' heads. Um so I was pretty sure that's what he was going to say, but it was it was hard because at that point I thought, I'm gonna die. It was just still hard. It's, you know, I always have a cloud hanging over my head. I have a ticking time bomb. I don't know when it's gonna go off. You know, I don't know when it's gonna progress because lung cancer, it, it, may stay stable for a while. And then the medicine stopped working and it progresses and it starts all over again. So you have to start a new medicine. So it was very emotional. Um, my husband was in there with me. So we, we. my first thought was though, so I'm gonna fight it. And that's what I do, you know? And that's what I do with everything in life. I'm usually a pretty positive person. I try to stay upbeat and, and I, I'm very vocal, <laughs> so I've, I've, you know, been that way the whole time through. If somebody says, well, you don't look sick, well, what's sick look like? <laughs> you know, What does sick look like inside? You know, I feel sick inside, maybe I don't look sick, but so I'm, I try to advocate for lung cancer patients, for any cancer patients, you know, so, but that was really overwhelming at first.
0: I, I bet it was overwhelming. It, a lot of patients say that, you know, their life turned upside down in like one moment. So mm-hmm. I can't, can't imagine how that was.
1: Yeah. When I got the news that I had a targeted treatable mutation, I was thrilled. But um, about a week after that, right before, I had to do some radiation for some pain management. There's a lot that goes into treating cancer lung cancer that people just don't know until you've gone through it but i was just finishing up radiation and um, i wasn't feeling good my i wasn't breathing well i went in and they made me go to the er and i ended up with blood clots so i almost died that that was serious so i went on blood thinners and eventually you know i had to wait till that cleared up so i could start my treatment but um I was denied for a clinical trial because of some, you know, that and some testing. So, you know, there's clinical trials out there that are great, um, but unless you're the right criteria, you, you know, you're not going to work. They're not going to work for you. I'm probably not um, eligible for a lot of clinical trials because I don't have any growth that's measurable. It's when it is there, it's in my bones, and that's not measurable. For them for the clinical trials they can't see how much cancer i have in there it's really hard i've had a bone biopsy and it's very painful to even get to the cancer you know so yeah it's it just it changes your life i know way more than i'd ever wanted to know before so i don't have any history of lung cancer in my family except for an um, uncle who um, died from lung cancer and he he smoked a lot you know so that, that's why he died from lung cancer. But I'm I'm hopeful that we we have medicines coming up the pipeline to, you know, help us get to maybe where this disease might be chronic versus terminal. You know, I applied for a disability, I had to stop working. The doctor's appointments just alone <laughs> that you have to deal with and treatment appointments. Um, you, there's no way most people can work. Unless they don't progress and then it's manageable, you know, so and I, I hope and pray that we're all that way someday. I hope it's a chronic disease versus a terminal disease someday, you know, so but they're learning more and more, so we're very helpful.
0: yeah, I think there's really um, promising research going on. and like you mentioned, clinical trials, I think we're getting a lot of information from those clinical trials, and it's it's helping a lot of patients. um so, I think that the future is is bright, but we definitely need to put more funding, more efforts, to, and focus towards lung cancer in, in order to get it to the place that we we all want it to be.
1: Yeah, six percent isn't enough. <laughs> That's what the government gives us—the six percent. That's just not enough. <laughs> we we get there's so many research projects that want to run their research and they can't because they can't get funded. So um, I'm in a couple of different groups and one of them's the EGR group, on, EGFR group on Facebook and I'm admin in there. And it's just an important, we raise money in there. Um, and we've funded several research projects um, in the community and our friends and families and doctors. And so it's it's important that we, we get research done to, to get new meds, <laughs> so.
0: And you touched upon this a little bit um, earlier, but in what ways did your life change after being diagnosed with lung cancer? And you said you you stopped working, but is there anything else that, any major changes to your life after the diagnosis? Um,
1: I think I look at life a little different now. I know that I might not be here tomorrow. Um, I wish I looked at life that way all along. You know, I could get in a car accident tomorrow, sure. Um, but I'm more positive than ever before I I use my time wisely to spend with friends family, advocation for lung cancer awareness I've done a lot of that you know so I think my outlook on life is different um, my time is taken a lot by like I said medical appointments things like that um, I've been around longer than they thought I would so I've gotten to see two grandbabies being born, I've been, you know, I've done trips and, you know, unfortunately, COVID kind of squashed a lot of things. But, you know, it's it's been good too. COVID kind of saved my life. I have to say a little story about that. I was um, I had caught COVID from a friend and I knew I had it. I tested. I wasn't breathing real well. My doctor said, Hey, I want you to go in and get your lungs looked at, you know, so I went into the ER, they looked at my lungs. And he came back and he said, well, your COVID is pretty minor. You know, we worry about COVID with lung cancer patients, especially it's a respiratory disease. So, um, and he said, but you have two blood clots again. So, so it kind of saved my life, you know, in a way, because I wouldn't have known I had blood clots if I didn't go in for the COVID test, you know, for them, for them to look at my COVID. So, you know, I, I've i had a lot of great things happen since I've gotten lung cancer. I've met a lot of fabulous people. I've learned a lot. I help my doctor out. I talk to his patients now, you know, so I'm kind of a patient advocate for him, you know, so it, it's brought a lot of positive things in my life too. I just, you know, life is different. Not as always better, but I, I say it's better in a way. Uh, it's hard to explain. So.
2: Great, I think you touched briefly um, a little bit on your genetic testing, but in your eyes, how critical is genetic testing in advancing lung cancer screening and research?
1: It's critical, very critical. If you don't know what type of mutation or lung cancer you have, how can you treat it? You can treat it with chemo, which is your standard care of treatment, you know, but unless you know, if I didn't have a genetic testing done, I wouldn't have known I was EGFR positive, deletion 19. They would have just treated me with chemo. You know, your standard chemo care. I would not probably be alive today if if that was um, the standard of care treatment for me. I probably wouldn't have lived long enough. Chemo might not at that point in time saved my life. So these targeted medicines um, that they can use when they pick up those um, genetic mutations are, in, you know, they're imperative for us with lung cancer. That I I can't imagine when I hear people. I still hear people say um, they think I have lung cancer, so we're going to start chemo. And I said, do you take? Did you get a genetic mutation test? And they said, no. I I'm just floored. I can't believe there are still physicians out there not recommending genetic testing, you know, I, it just blows my mind, I guess you'd say, (laughs) so
0: very important. Yeah, definitely, I completely agree, and um, we had another uh, patient on earlier, um, Eric Hale, and he he was in a similar situation where he had to um, actually ask for genetic testing, and it wasn't offered automatically, so I think maybe uh, doctors and patients are, are learning more about genetic testing and the importance of biomarker testing and, and helping to um, decide what treatment option would be best for the patient. But um, like you mentioned, it's not being automatically offered or discussed in all situations. So
1: Yeah, I think, you know, and uh, where it depends on where you live, you know, they're out in the country, the doctors aren't, haven't been, you know, in mainstream medicine and they don't keep up on things maybe as much and not you know it's super important to go to a specialist an oncologist because i don't know any oncology units probably that wouldn't you know people that wouldn't recommend a biomarker testing you know but then again you have to be your own advocate so and and these you know facebook pages and groups and lung cancer um support groups we learn so much from these groups. Um, so it they they help us too. I I learn more from them than I have actually from my doctors. <laughs> so, you know, it's important. So that's why it's important to talk about it. So people can say, Hey, did you get genetic testing? You have lung cancer, have you gotten that? You know. So some people just are afraid to, to talk about having lung cancer and that, I understand that though. I do, but
2: I think those are some um, excellent points so did you share your lung diagnosis um, your lung cancer diagnosis with others like openly how willing how willing were you to share your diagnosis so openly and how did you start that conversation
1: well once I settled in and um, took note of everything I could and um learned more about it than i could share about it so um you you have to go through that process of almost grieving that you might die you know you have to go through uh, mentally you you go through a lot um so but once i did share that that i had lung cancer i shared it with of course my immediate family from the beginning and then i started sharing it with friends and and I, you know, I was always positive about it and said, I'm going to, I'm going to beat this. I'm, I've got great doctors and I'm positive that, you know, I'm hopeful that we can, you know, kick its butt and I'm not going to stop. It's not going to beat me, you know? So I think having that attitude helps with, it with me anyways, it did, you know, and my friends know Donna's not going to let this Kick her butt. So my friends who know me, they they knew that this wasn't going to be an easy fight for cancer. So <laughs> so that's
0: so inspiring to hear. I Just wanted to ask, uh, did you have any misconceptions about lung cancer or lung cancer screening prior to being diagnosed? I know you said you had an uncle um, who died of lung cancer. So I'm not sure if that influenced um, your 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 um, thoughts anyway. But I just wanted to ask.
1: Well, yeah, I probably thought the same thing most people think if you have lung cancer it's because you smoked that's you know I'll be the first to admit that you know so I didn't know all of what I know now you know so twenty percent of us are diagnosed with non-smoking lung cancer you know so um it 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 definitely was you know i I had that that stigma was in my head too so.
0: So for someone who has a loved one who was recently diagnosed with lung cancer, do you have any advice for um, how family members can best support and help them?
1: Um, listen, basically help, you know, it, it's all about supporting them. Go to the doctor's appointments with them. Um, so, at, a lot of, lot of times we don't want to ask for help. Um, so I'm one of those A typical people, I like to do everything myself. I like things, you know, I like to help people. I'm not used to asking for help. So it was really hard for me to ask for help and let people know that I couldn't do certain things because now I have lung cancer and I just can't quite keep up with life as much, you know? So I think that's the most important part is to listen though. And, not and what advice,
2: <laughs> Oh, sorry. <laughs> That's okay. And what advice do you have for the patient themselves um, regarding navigating the diagnosis or speaking to their healthcare provider?
1: Um, I'd say reach out and get outside help through lung cancer groups, um, Facebook groups, because they are a tremendous help. I'm um, an advocate for... Um, I've gone to DC uh, once, twice now. Um, Once I spoke with Congress and um, the senators there advocating for more research funding, I've gone to DC for a HOPE Summit um, to speak with caregivers and people, patients just like me. It's just really important to reach out and learn as much as you can about the disease it's not a death sentence anymore. It's important to keep up hope, you know? Um, don't don't give up, because we really, we really are living longer now with lung cancer. We, we have a better lifestyle now with these treatments that we have, the targeted medicines that we have. So it, it really does change your life, but don't give up hope.
2: great that's really great advice um but i think that wraps up our questionnaire section but um thank you so much donna for taking time out of your day to share your story with us um it was really inspiring to hear your perspective um now i would like to open the floor for our participants to ask you any questions they have um either regarding you or your story and if you feel comfortable answering them um so if you guys would like to ask donna a question please put it in chat or unmute received the question in chat that said, do you have any advice for anyone who is trying to get involved in the lung cancer community?
1: Um, I guess it depends on in what aspect you're talking about getting involved in, um, Are as a patient, or a, a, um, I think um, if you want to Help out, you could go to your medical unit's oncology unit and see if there's any way you can help out and volunteer um, for any cancer patients. You know, work in the um, the, the units that disperse our medicine um, when we get infusions. There are volunteers that work in there. Um, there are all sorts of ways. Contact your Congress people talk to them about getting more funding. You know, um, we've got several bills going, that go through the the Senate and the Congress trying to get more funding for that. We have lung cancer uh, groups that that meet, that need support of outsiders, not just people with the lung cancer um, that they can get involved with. There's, it just depends on what aspect you want, you know, want to get involved in, so.
0: Thank you. Um, I also received a question. The person asks, "How did you manage your mental and emotional health throughout the process?"
1: That's an important question. Mental health is a big thing nowadays, right? So it's it's you know, COVID didn't help. <laughs> so it, it kind of threw us for a loop because when you find out, oh, COVID's here, and it's a um, uh, also, you know, affects our lungs and our respiratory system. It, it was pretty scary. So, I'm I manage more by talking with my friends and my family, and I'm just very vocal about things. Um, talk therapy is always a great thing. Um, getting in, like again, with my lung cancer support group. I have a local lung cancer support group here, and there's a lot of us in the group, and um, and being advocate like the white ribbon project behind me. Um, you guys have all heard about it, it's it's huge now. So, and that's another way people can get involved is make these white ribbons and we put them on our doorsteps. Um, people ask, what's the white ribbon for? And that's, that starts a conversation, you know? So I think talking about it helps my mental health. Um, if I'm shutting down, then that's not, going to be good for me so therapy is is tremendous whether it's through your friends family or actual therapists so i
0: think that's great advice and looking back at your journey is there anything you would do differently or you wish you knew
1: (laughs) yeah yeah i wish i knew about uh low dose ct scans (laughs) honestly i do i wish i had known that anybody with lungs could get lung cancer. I would definitely recommend a low D C T CT scan for, I'd say, you know, 35 and above. I started getting mammograms because my, my grandmother had breast cancer. I started getting mammograms at the age of 30, you know, and low-dose CT scans aren't, you know, real hard on your body. It's very low radiation, and, you know, it's easy. Like you said, it's five minutes. It's painless. It's the easy easier than a colonoscopy. <laughs> you know it's so much easier. So so that's important. That's what I wish I would have known.
2: <laughs> Great. I also um, received a question. Um, what are you looking forward to most in the next couple of months?
1: Um, because I'm no evidence of disease right now, I am looking forward to spending the summer with my family. Um, my husband and I are going on a cruise. <laughs> you know, we're doing things that we couldn't do during COVID. I'm looking forward to um, just knowing right now I'm I'm feeling well. I, I, I get up every day thinking I'm feeling great. I look forward to spending time with my grandkids, you know. I have life now, and I'm living, and I want people to know I am living. I am not gonna sit in bed and think about this all day, even though it's over your head all the time. <laughs> but it it is, you know, it's important. I'm gonna live. So.
2: That's really great to hear. Um, we are all very excited um, for you, but I think that concludes yeah. our Q&A session. So again, thank you so much, Donna, for your willingness to share your story and perspective on many of the pressing issues in the lung cancer community.
1: I want to thank really- you guys. It's super important. I've talked to about you and I'm impressed with your knowledge and how young you guys are and, and that you're your enthusiasm is um, overwhelming some, you know, it, it's, it's awesome. So you guys keep doing what you're doing. We appreciate it. Great.
2: Thank you. Um, we also appreciate the work that you're doing to help raise awareness about lung cancer.
1: I'm trying. <laughs> I'll talk about it if anybody wants to talk about it. I do surveys for medicine companies, pharmaceutical companies. I There's all kinds of ways that you get involved with the lung cancer community once once you're out there and talk about it. So.
2: Great. Um, and thank you, everyone, for joining our podcast. Um, please keep an eye out for our upcoming podcasts and events, which will be listed on our website, www.alcsi.org. We also encourage you to join our monthly newsletter where we will share updates on um, current projects um, in our organization, and also please fill out this Google form if you'd like to be added to the mailing list. And before we end this, we also would like to offer a brochure highlighting some key information about lung cancer and lung cancer screening. If you find this helpful or know of anyone who might benefit from the information included in the brochure, feel free to share it. Um, And thank you everyone and have a great day.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much, Donna. Thanks, everyone. Thank you.